How many of y'all, when you were in high school, had a career day? Did you go to high school? Some of y'all raise your hand. All right. Had a career day. Raise your hand. Did you go on the career day? Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. All right. How many of y'all are doing the career that you went to it for? Only one, two, three, maybe four. Okay. Just a handful of y'all. So either you went into that career day and you found out something that you didn't like, or anything can happen. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to do a career shadowing day. Uh, kind of like that. I want to let you career shadow me for a few moments because one of the things that I do as, as a pastor and as a teacher is hopefully communicate. It's only a part of what I do, but it is a part of what I do. It's a major part of what I do. I realize that on any, any given Sunday morning that I'm going to spend uh, about 35 to 45 minutes with you, with you guys and the guys and the next, guys and gals in the next service. And if there's any one part of the week, any, 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 the most impactful part of the week for me in my life and my ministry and what I do, it's not in one-on-one counseling. It's not even leading the staff. It's really just right in here with y'all. Because I realize when the rubber meets the road, it's not exactly what the structure of the church does, the building and all that kind of stuff. It's what you, how you live out your life in the day to day. So I, I take, I keep it as a very high priority. The, the preparation time, the prayer time, the, the presentation time, and saving energy time so that I can pour my life into this time because I don't want to just stand up here and talk. Talking is easy. Communicating is difficult. I heard of one pastor who basically gave, he was trying to really improve his messages, so he gave his wife his sermon message notes the night before he preached. And she said, honey, would you please mark out everything that really isn't good? And so he did, and he stood up at the beginning of his message, and he told them that, and he says, now, in conclusion. And so there was nothing good in that message, and there are probably some messages like that. But communicating, again, I, I, it's, it's art, it's engineering, it's, 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 it's faith, it's, it's energy. There's, there's so much to it. Whenever you, uh, when you're with a good communicator, you know that there's a lot that goes into that. A lot, that, a lot of energy and time and, and, and effort to make sure that you are on the same wavelength. There's a, another story, if I can tell you, of, of, a, of, of a lady who was actually going to a divorce attorney because she was ready to divorce her husband. And so the attorney's sitting down with her, and she's trying, he's trying to figure out exactly what the issues are so that he can, I guess, build a case for, 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 the, for the litigation that was uh, soon to follow. And so the first question he says is, well, do you have any grounds? Well, the lady said, yes, we have 15 acres outside of town. And uh, he said, well, no, that's not exactly what I'm talking about. He says, are, are you holding a grudge or is he holding a grudge? And she said, well, not really. We have a two-car garage. And so neither one of us are holding that. And so he says, I'm still not, the lady, you're not understanding me exactly. It says, does he beat you up or anything like that? Looking for some kind of cause for the thing for the divorce and trying to, to build, that, build that case. And he says, does he beat you up? And she said, that's part of the problem. He doesn't beat me up. I'm up at 6, and he's up at 6.30 every day. So we're having a problem in, in that area. It's just in exasperation and difficulty in trying to communicate. Uh, she, he said, do you take any fault in, this, in your marriage? And do you see yourself uh, uh, to be any blame? And she says, what do you mean by that? She says, well, do you ever wake up grouchy? And she says, no, I just let him sleep. And uh, so again, problems in, in, in communicating here uh, with uh, exactly what was going on. And so basically, in exasperation, he, he said, why do you want to divorce? He says, we just don't communicate. 
I think everyone comes down to it. We just don't communicate. Again, communication is an art. It's a skill. It's, a, it's, an, it's something that you pick up. It's something that you, you can go to school for four years and learn how to get a bachelor's degree in communication. And so communication is very, very important. I've said before that I think the number one problem I deal with when I deal with a, a married couple in their marriage is communication. Being able to communicate thoughts and feelings and intentions and miscommunications and getting past miscommunications and all that. Very important part because whenever you are communicating with somebody, we don't realize this, but there are so many different filters and there's so many different angles and there's so many different ways you look at one conversation just between two people about one topic, okay? And sometimes it's not about just one topic. Other topics kind of come into it, which is, again, a whole other thing on communication. But let me give you just six different angles in one conversation between one person. It could be husband and wife. could be me to you, anything like that. It's just one conversation. What are the different angles? Here's one angle. What you think you're saying. That's one of the angles. You may not be saying what you think you're saying, but you think you're saying a certain thing. Get it? Okay? What you meant to say is another thing. Oh, I didn't mean to say it like that. How many times have we had to stick our foot, out, take our foot out of our mouth after sticking our foot in our mouth because we said something that we didn't mean to say or didn't communicate the way we thought it would? And another one is what you actually said, okay? So it's what you think you're saying, it's what you meant to say, and it's what you actually said. And number four is what the other person heard you say. Now, that's a, that's a big one, Okay? Because you think you're coming at it and you think you've crossed all your T's and dotted all your I's and you think that you're on a a good line of communication and you've formed your words and you've taken out those different things that offend different people, but you still are talking through a filter. They have a filter. They're listening through a filter. They're thinking there. They're analyzing. They're judging your words through this filter. So you've got to think about it like that. So it's, it's what other person heard you say, and then it's what the other person says about what you said, and it's what you think the other person said about what you said. And these are all angles in one conversation, all different ways that we, we communicate with one another. And so sometimes it's really, really, really difficult to communicate. What you hear me say, and maybe what the Holy Spirit's saying, and what you interpret what I'm saying, and what the Word of God is saying, there's so many different angles to this. I want to talk to you today about the master communicator. If there's anybody that we're going to learn from in learning how to best communicate and how we can teach our children and how we can teach people principles in our body life groups and how, we can, how I can teach you and how you can teach me and how we can teach one another, and these are very important principles and there's no better person to look at than Jesus. Jesus is the master communicator. Now, Jesus was called a lot of different things in Scripture. He was called, uh, he was called uh, uh, well, he, he could have been called a healer. He could have been called the miracle man. He could have been called the water walker. He could have been called a lot of different things, but he was called a rabbi. He was called a teacher. In fact, that's a nickname that was given to him. He never, as far as we know, assumed an official position. Any, any synagogue, any Jewish group, or any scribes or Pharisees or anything like that. But Jesus received the nickname. Now, this is the guy that raised people from the dead. He should have been called something like the, the, the grave snatcher or, or something like that. This is the guy that could walk on water. This is the guy who could heal a blind man more than any optometrist could do today. I mean, he could do what nobody else could do. But he wasn't called the great eye doctor. He was called a rabbi, a teacher. So we cannot underestimate the power of his words and the power to communicate and the power that we have in our communication. 
And I think that's one of the things that's very, very important in any role that you take on, that as you communicate, you communicate in the way that Jesus does, especially when you're communicating from God's Word, okay? Vitally important. Listen to what it says in Mark chapter 1. Look there. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus is beginning his ministry. And Mark talks more about Jesus and his communication and his teaching than any of the other disciples. And so we go to him in the very beginning. Mark chapter 1, verse 21, says that now when they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, we entered the synagogue and began to teach. Now that one verse tells us the who, what, when, and where. The who, what, when, and where. Where they're in Capernaum, and they're, it's on the Sabbath day, and they're, the, he's going into the synagogue. It tells us everything about the context of what's going on in, this, in, in, the, in the rest of the story. He entered the synagogue and began to teach. And what's he doing? He's there, he's there, he goes in and he teaches in the synagogue. Verse 22, they were amazed at his teaching. For he was teaching as one having authority, not as the scribes. And just, when, and just then there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out saying, What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Now notice this, that this unclean spirit, this demon inside this man knew who Jesus was. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out in a loud voice and came out of him, and they were amazed. Again, there's that same word. So that they debated among themselves, What is this? A new teaching with authority? Very key phrase. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Immediately the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. Now here's a simple story, really quick. We're in and out of this story very fast. But there's a whole lot packaged in this story about how Jesus had an amazing ability to communicate. Now, now teachers have this role. If you're a teacher, a teacher in the, in, in the church or outside the church in the, in the school system or, or you're teaching your children at home. And, and you know, I'm, I'm, let me say this to you just to ele- elevate something here today because some of you will say, I'm not a teacher. This is a completely irrelevant topic. I'm going to get out my pen and paper. I'm going to make my shopping list for the week. Immediately, all of a sudden, you're checking out. Well, let me tell you, if you have children, you're a teacher. Now, you may not be teaching what, what they need to be learning, but you're teaching them. We have to watch what we do and watch what we say and watch what, how we think because what we're doing is we're transferring. We're transferring. We're transferring. It's just how, what, and how, what, and where are we transferring it. So what I want to do is I want to elevate this today and say, listen, if you're in an official, a formal teaching role or you're in an informal teaching role, you are communicating something about your faith. If you have friends at work and you say you're a believer, guess what? Immediately you're on the radar for people to watch you because those who are not believers are waiting for you to fall. So it gives them an excuse to, to, to their own life and failures. You're under the radar. You're teaching. What are you communicating when you're teaching? Elevate this today. Because there's one thing about it, we as communicators of, of, of the truth that God has given us, we have got to make sure that we do it with great effectiveness. Talking is easy. Communicating is an art, is a skill, is like an engineer. 
You must craft it. You must work on it. You must, you must work hard on it. Educators, this is what John Maxwell said, educators take something simple and make it complex. Communicators take something complex and make it simple. Big difference. Are you going to be one who tries to speak lofty words, tries to show off your theology, tries to show off all that you know, or are you going to be one who's going to put the cookies on the bottom shelf? I tell you, a communicator like Jesus, he was a person who communicated effectively. And I think there are at least four ways in this passage of Scripture that we can learn how to communicate effectively. Jot them down with me real quickly. Number one, teaching must be captivating. Teaching must be captivating. I hate to say that. It would be nice to say that truth alone will be all that you'll need and everything that you'll, you'll have to have. But, but teaching needs to be, must be captivating to the heart and to the mind. Who are your favorite teachers that you had when you were growing up? I can tell you right now, when I grew up at Rogers High School, the Reagan sisters. Anybody ever heard of the Reagan sisters? All right. You had the Reagan sisters. You know how awesome of a teacher. I, I went into their classes and had civics with them and had government with them and then had history with them. I didn't like government or history until I had them. And then I came out of that class loving government and history. I, I had psychology in college, and it was Dr. Shelton. Dr. Shelton made psychology come alive, gave life to it, all right? And it was, uh, it was Dr. Patterson in seminary who just it, it took dead, stagnant church history and made it come alive. And so here you've got these different professors and teachers that are in your life, and the ones that you really remember long after that make the lasting impression that, that really captivates your heart, that really turns sometimes the tide for some people, is how well of a communicator you are. If you're dry and boring and dust, guess what? You're not going to be one of those who's going to be marked in the archives of history of making a big impact in somebody's life. Communication must be captivating. In 15 different times, Mark refers to Jesus as the teacher, as teaching. Twelve times, he refers to him as the teacher. He mentions him more about teaching in, in, in the Gospels than any of the other Gospels. He is heavy on this. Listen to some of these verses. Well, verse 22 that we just read. Uh, just a moment ago, they were amazed at his teaching. I think that means that they were captivated by it. In, in John chapter 7, verse 46, it says, No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards declared. Matthew seven twenty-eight says that when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Again, Jesus was one who you set on the end of the sea. They were amazed. It's the idea of kind of losing it all and focusing in, losing all the other distractions out there and focusing in on what they're saying. We live in a culture of stimulation. And it gets harder and harder as a communicator to be able to communicate. Again, you can teach all day long. didn't mean you communicated. Jesus communicated he captured their heart. He amazed them. They sat on the end of their seats. They wanted to hear more from him when he was finished. You always want to leave them wanting more, not wanting less. I'll tell you that. That's one rule of a communicator. All right? Don't leave them wanting. Now, when's this going to be over with? And you're maybe some of y'all are saying that right now. Please forgive me. I may not be communicating. But Jesus knew how to amaze the crowd. It wasn't that he pulled rabbits out of hats. He just had a truth that was burning deep inside of him, and he had to get it out. It was captivating to them. 
Again, we live in a culture where there's so many different stimulations out there. I mean, you're, 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 you're on the computer. Students today are on the computer checking their emails, updating their Facebook, IMing, texting, downloading music. All the time they're doing their homework. Can you imagine going into a, to, 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 to a class today and, and hearing some modern tone voice with flannel boards in Sunday school class and you think that's going to be captivating? We, we as, as communicators must realize our job is not just merely to dispense information. It is to communicate a timeless truth. To communicate. We live, the group magazine calls the boomers the task force generation, the busters the, the multitask generation, the Gen X the multitask fast generation. Things are just moving faster and faster and faster. And I believe it's a crime against the humanity and the truth of God to embalm people with the truth instead of exciting them with the truth. Listen, it is a sin, I believe, to embalm people with the truth when you should be exciting them with the truth. They should be getting excited. How do you, how do you as you're a communicator with your children or with children uh, in the church or in your body life group, how do you do that? Here's just some hints that you might employ. And I'm not, not a perfectionist at it. I'm not the best at it. But here's just some things that I have to keep in mind. One is be humorous from time to time. Now, if you're not a good joke teller, don't go buy a joke book. Those are all canned. Look at life. Life's funny in itself. All right, you can bring people up and don't have to tell them who it is. Hey, let's just talk about your own life. You don't have anybody else left to talk, talk about my life. You know, use humor, bring in humor, and get people to, to, to I guess, uh, laugh a little bit. There's something that goes on in the mind that then they, they, they'll listen up, they'll lighten up. And if you're just pouring in facts, it's not near as good. Be transparent. Be authentic. Be yourself. When you fail, admit you fail. If you're just this superpower person, listen, that's not realistic. That's not real. Be alive. If you don't believe in it, turn it over and get somebody else to do it. Be alive. Again, if the truth is not exciting you, then it's not going to excite anybody else. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. R.G. Lee said it like this. He says, you cannot live on skim milk during the week and expect to preach cream on Sunday. Listen, you've got to constantly be making sure you are full of God. So that when you get up here, what really spills out is not your own personality, is not your own jargon, is what really spills out is the Holy Spirit. So just realize that Jesus in his teaching, he was captivating. Number two, Jesus must, or teaching must be authoritative. All right, Jesus' Jesus's teaching was authoritative. Notice verse 22 again. For his, or amazes his teaching, for his teaching, uh, for he was teaching them as one having authority. Now, this is a sad thing. Not as the scribes. Now, you got to understand, where's Jesus again? He's in Capernaum. We've already learned that. Where is he at in Capernaum? He's in the synagogue. All right, I've been to the synagogue. It's... Uh, in Capernaum, that they've uncovered, archaeologists have uncovered, and I, I was in this synagogue, and, and just imagining how Jesus came in, and they, it's, it's still amazing, very well preserved, at least the floor and part of the walls are preserved there, and it's, it's amazing as, as you think about how Jesus was able to communicate, and he walks into this synagogue, and these people are used to coming in Sabbath day, like every other Sabbath day, and hearing the same old scribes, hearing the same old scribes, hearing the same old scribes. Giving the same old week lessons, the same old week lessons, and the same old week lessons. And now all of a sudden, Jesus steps on the scene, and he is speaking, and it's amazing. 
It's captivating. And when he is speaking, it's like one who has authority. He's actually got some power behind his word. It actually makes sense. Life begins to connect the dots and and begins to, okay, faith and life does matter. And it does connect. And it's not segregated and separated out. He was one who spoke with authority. The great thing is, you say, but I don't have authority. I don't have a position. I'm not like you, Mike. I'm not up there talking to people. Listen, we all have the same authority that Jesus had. Matthew 28, we many times look at this as the Great Commission. But we realize what he was doing in the Great Commission. He said in Matthew 28, 18, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus realizes he had authority. He had it in Mark chapter 1. He has it in Matthew 28. Jesus has authority. All right? But now listen to this next statement. Therefore, go and make disciples. So the one who had authority, who was teaching with authority, turns around and gives you and I authority. Now, what does it mean to have this authority? What does this authority mean? What's the difference between authority and power? Let me illustrate it for you like this. If I was today to get out in the middle of I-540 there today, just as I'm dressed, or maybe put on a pair of blue jeans and short, and, and I was to stand out there and I was to start directing traffic, you would either think I was a nut and go around me, Call 911, have them come arrest me, something like that. It's just not right. There's a nut in the middle of uh, of 540 directing traffic. But if I put some blue lights on top of my car, and I put on a, 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 a uniform, and I put a piece of metal on my chest, and then I do the exact same thing, stand in the exact same spot, and I'm the exact same person, and I start wielding my hands and making motions, all of a sudden this entire interstate's going to shut down. It's going to go according to me. The same person, did I have power? No, I didn't have power. You could run me over. All right, you can make a hood ornament ornament out of me. But I had authority. And what happens is I am the same person in my skin as I was when I was a no good, dirty, rotten scoundrel. But what happened is Jesus Christ gave me authority. The same authority that he had, I now have. So I can stand up here under the authority of Jesus Christ and say, this is what God's Word says. Man, take it and live it. You can do the same thing. You and I can do the exact same thing. Our badge of authority does, it comes from two ways. One, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit living inside of you gives you an amazing amount of authority to speak God's truth, not your truth, not your ideas, not your propaganda, not your thoughts. We're not talking about God's truth. When the disciples were new and they were uneducated, unlearned, listen to what it says about them in Acts 4.13. It says, Now when they saw the speaking boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. What was it about the early disciples, these uneducated, unlearned, unput-together men? They had an amazing sense of God was inside of them, speaking through them. If you come, listen, if you're a We World teacher, if you're a Planet Kid teacher, if you're a surge or renovation worker, or if you teach in our Body Life Ministries, or, or you're in any way teach at any time, women's ministry or whatever, men's, whatever. Listen, if you do it in and of yourself, you're not going to be effective. You do it in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of you, you can have the same authority that Jesus had. Do that badge is the Holy Spirit. That badge of authority is the Word of God. I'm not saying what I have to say. Listen, I couldn't sell 
anything. I'm not a salesman. I'm a communicator of this book that I hold in my hand. My That badge of the Word of God is the authority. And I'll tell you this, if I ever deviate from this, if I ever go off track of, of teaching God's Word, listen, go find another church. Do yourself a favor. Hold me accountable. Listen, God's Word is my source of authority. It's not what I think up. It's not what I dream up. This book has to be the center of it all. It's basically two roles you take as a communicator of God's Word. There's a commentator and there's a communicator. That communicator talks about, emphasizes what then, what happened back then, emphasizes what the historical context and what was going on in this text and what was Jesus doing. That's what a, a, com, a commentator does. A communicator focuses on the now. Focuses on right here, what's going on right now, and how does God's truth fit into my life. Jot these three things down. This will help you balance those teachings. You need to have observation, study the history, study the commentaries, look at what's going on in the text. Also, you need to have contextualization. You need to understand what's going on in your culture and how those two interact. And I'll tell you right there, listen, listen, look up here. Right there is where you lose it. Most people are really good commentators and they'll give you all the history. They'll even name the streets of Jerusalem. They'll tell you all about the Roman soldiers and how their outfits all fit together. Or they will be great, great, great communicators, but very little Scripture to back it up, very little authority, and it's just good philosophy, and it's just fancy speech, and they're just funny communicators. Listen, you, this is where most of the time and energy in my message preparation goes is right there, bridging those two things together. Because if, I, if I'm too far on this side, I'm boring and dry and I'm as old as, as Methuselah, all right? If I'm on this side too much, I'm just a philosopher. I'm no better than Oprah Winfrey, all right? You've got to bring them together. It's based on God's truth, but it's relevant to today. Observation and contextualization will help you, and then ultimately application. You need to walk away from the text every single day with something in your life. Every time you read this book, you need to say, what is it, God, you're wanting to do, change and rearrange in my life? James chapter 1, verse 25 says it like this, But the man who looks intently at the perfect law and, uh, that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed. He will be blessed. God wants to bless our life. He wants to do things in our life. But He doesn't want us just to look intently at the Word. He wants us to look intently at the Word so then we walk away from it with something in our life. What's, what's, what's today? Think, answer this question in your mind. What would you think today this passage is telling you? Or that I'm trying to communicate from this passage? Communicate to change lives. When you open this book with your children, with our children in the church, with the youth, when you open this book and your husband and wife are you're, you're making a big decision in life and you're reading through this text, communicate God's truth to one another. Do it with amazement, that, that captivating kind of way. Do it with authority so that it will bring and change lives. There's so much more I could say. I can't even go into it all. Listen to what John Calvin said. This is what John Calvin said about the Bible and about what it was really intended for. And he's a great theologian. He says, the Word of God is not to teach us to prattle or to be eloquent or subtle. It is to reform our lives 
so that we desire to serve God and to give ourselves entirely to Him and to conform ourselves to His good will. That's what this book is here for. If you only open this book when you come here on Sundays, you know what you're telling me? You want to be spoon-fed. You want to be spoon-fed. Paul told Timothy, or Paul was telling those around him, he said, you ought to be teachers by now. Every single one of us can teach what we've learned and what we're living. Did you catch that? Every single one of us can and should be teaching what we learn and what we're living. Say, but I'm not very smart and I'm, not, I'm new at this. That's fine. Teach what you've learned and what you're living. Don't teach us what you've learned because that's just head knowledge, information. Teach what you're living. That's transformation. What you've learned and what you're living. But also I want you to notice this. Teachers must be attentive to what's going on around them. Again, back into the story here. Jesus is here and he's been teaching with authority and it's life-changing and blah, 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 blah. And in verse 23, just then when there was a man in the synagogue and an unclean spirit and he cried out saying, what business do we, do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Isn't it amazing? Some people struggle with who Jesus is. The demons don't at all. They know who he is. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. What is Jesus doing? He was not only a teacher of a, with captivating lessons and authoritative lessons, but he was also attentive. What was going on? There was a demon man in his midst. There was a need. There was a spiritual need of somebody who was right there in his midst. And he steps up and he helps them. You know, every week we challenge our body life groups to go in, to get together. And I tell you, you're going to start hearing more and more and more from my lips and from my heart about body life groups. You need a community. You need a family in the faith. I know you've got your family. And we'll never replace that. But you need a faith community family that you will bond with and keep each other accountable and grow in your faith together with. You shouldn't live without it. When you get into your family, you know what happens, what could happen when it's functioning properly and the way it should happen? is you ought to be in there and you ought to know each other's lives. And we every week there will be burning questions at the end of the bulletin notes. And those questions are to help you take this truth and drive it into your life. You're sitting around in your body life group and an issue comes up in life. Just like Jesus is sitting here teaching and an issue comes up. Stop everything and deal with that. Minister to people where they are in their life, what's going on. But I want, you, I want to close by giving you the, four, the fourth way Jesus taught so effectively. Teachers must ignite a response. Teachers need to ignite a response. And notice the response that comes out of this. It says, what is this? A new teacher with authority and he commands that even the unclean spirits and they obey. Verse 28, immediately the news about him spread throughout everywhere into all the surrounding districts of Galilee. You know, every Sunday, there's going to be, you're going to come here 
And maybe I didn't communicate today. But I hope that every Sunday, it is my prayer, it is my desire, that every time you come here, you will leave with truth. Life-changing truth. In the midst of a lot of trash and a lot of philosophies and a lot of different stuff going on out there. And that life-changing truth will open up your eyes and your spirit and your mind and you'll be different. If the only thing you do is come and listen, the only thing you do is come and sing, the only thing you do, you don't let this truth cause you to get off your seat, go into this world, and to live differently. That The, the truth that Jesus taught Change these people. They were out telling everybody. Some will leave mad, sad, or glad every Sunday. Sometimes my job is to afflict the comforted and comfort the afflicted. And I don't know what it will be from week to week. But I hope and pray to God that you will hear simple truth that will change a complex life and put it on God's, God's path. Yale University did a study one time. They were trying to get their students to go get tetanus shots. So they, they said, okay, how are we going to do this? How are we going to get our students to go give a tetanus shot, to go get a tetanus shot? Everybody needs a tetanus shot. They said, okay, we can, we can have them write a, a paper and do study on it. We can have them read and do, you know, read somebody else's research. We can have them come in for a weekend seminar. And, and tell them why, all the benefits and everything about a tetanus shot. Or we could just give them instructions on where to go, and they'll, they're smart enough people, they'll go get a tetanus shot. And at the end of the study, they found that the most effective way was to give simple directions on where to go, find, and get a tetanus shot. You know what I found in, in, this, in this world? Our, our, our lives are, are a lot like that. We don't need to make life more complex. We need to take God's truth, and just live it out. And I hope that every Sunday you'll have some direction point. Some, some life-altering thing will happen in your life. Maybe big, maybe small. But you'll say, you know what? I'm going to live differently this week. My life is going to be differently. And you know what? If you're a teacher and, you teach, you know, and you're going from this room and you're going to go in and teach our children, you know what? They're so impressionable right now. They're so easy right now. It's going to get harder. If you have anybody in any of these rooms, on either side of this room today, it's the best time, the easiest time to be teaching them God's truth. We just did a re-enlistment of teachers for the coming year, and we still need a good number of teachers, and I'm not even going to go on that this week. If you're a body life group leader, I want you to realize your role is so amazingly important. You have such an amazing part to play in this big picture of helping communicate God's truth in a captivating, authoritative, attentive, life-changing kind of way. I want to do something, and I didn't, didn't prep very many people for this, but I want to do something today because, because this is that important. If you are a body life group leader, if you are a teacher in our we world, 
a teacher either currently or in the coming year, if you're a teacher in uh, our Planet Kids, if you're, if you're a teacher or discussion group leader in our surge ministry, if you're a teacher in our renovation or, or a discussion group leader in our renovation ministry, would you stand up right now? If you're teaching in any of these ministries, either currently or, or in, in, in the future, would you come forward for just a moment? I'm not going to have you sing or teach or anything like that. Just come forward. I want you all to just line up across the front here. Just line up all the way across the front. David Melody, would you all come up here too? Just a second. I want, I want to tell you about some cool things that are happening. These are people, you guys, let me get down here, excuse me. Oh, all right. That hurt me worse than it did you. I want to look at y'all in the face and I want to say, I love you. I absolutely need you. I can only do a little bit. I can only do 30, 45 minutes on Sunday. But you're going to have opportunity to take God's truth and to transfer it to a whole new level. Whether you're teaching and holding and loving a baby or you're teaching and loving an adult going through a crisis in their life. And I want you to understand, we need you, we love you, we can't do it without you. The past several years, Paul Bearfield and Laurie have headed up our, our Body Life Group ministry and have done an awesome job. Now, he's got a grandbaby, and he wants to go spend time with it on the weekends for some odd reason. But they're stepping down from that role. And uh, David and Melody, uh, come, come up here. I want them to see you a little better. I know you all loving this. Uh, David uh, is going to head up our Body Life Group Ministries uh, beginning the end of, end of May. And we're just excited about this. This is awesome to have them. I want every one of you all to just you know, plug the hole. I want every one of you all to grab hands and hold hands, okay? Because I want you all to realize you all have an awesome and an amazing ministry. And we cannot do it without you. I want to pray for you and commission you as teachers for the coming year and as teachers currently and just that God would just pour over you and fill you and empower you with the same authority that he had. That you would take that job, that ministry seriously and to heart. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for these who have taken the call and heard the call and are ready to respond to the call to make a difference in people's lives. Lord, I would pray that you would give them anointing, power, authority, and an amazing sense of your presence. Lord, they're going to get tired in the coming year. They're going to be time times of weakness and, and Lord I, I would pray that you would give them the strength in those moments when they're, when they're burned out and they don't feel like they're communicating they're only teaching Lord would you give them a sense of inspiration put your words in their mouth Lord we thank you for your example and we pray that Lord in, in awesome and wonderful ways you would use these people who are standing here today ready and willing to be used. I thank you specifically for Paul and Lori and how they have given and sacrificed to the Body Life Group ministry. 
I thank you now, Lord, for their passing the baton to David and Melanie. Would you use them? Lord, we bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.